everybody. Welcome to the 440 Guitar Podcast. I am your host, Joel Powell. Thank you so much for tuning up. You can catch the podcast on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anchor.fm forward slash 440. Uh, you can also follow the podcast here on Instagram at the 440 Guitar Podcast uh, to get updates on the episodes coming out. Uh, we just recently hit 400 follows on Instagram, <laughs> which in the, in, the grand scheme, in the grand scheme of things, it, it means nothing, but it means a lot to me. It's because I, I kind of started this from the ground up. So I appreciate everyone's support here in the podcast and kind of shares the vision of just, you know, just really just being passionate about the art of music and guitar and just really just having really genuine conversations. So again, appreciate everyone's support. Feel free to continue to follow it. People know about the podcast. Uh, today is a very exciting episode just because uh, just give a little bit of paint a little bit of a story. So if those of you who, who are kind of followers of the podcast, listen to it, they know that I'm a huge fan of, um, Omar Rodriguez Lopez. I feel like he's like the Frank Zappa of this generation. He's one of my favorite artists of all time. And I got connected to Zex Marquis uh, from his brother, because I believe his brother plays drums, if I'm not mistaken, on a band called the Zex Marquis. So went down the rabbit hole of the internet, if you will, and got connected to that band. And through that, you know, hearing some of these, uh, these great songs that they had, uh, I really noticed the guitar player and just his playing and was really enthused, you know, and this is when I was learning guitar at the same time. It's got acquainted with all of these different types, different types of music. You know, a lot of people say, you know, oh, I'm a big fan of I, I, I listen to everything. Well, I was listening to a lot more than the average person, especially learning. And uh, I really dig this dude's playing. And um, I'm really happy to speak with him today. I'm very excited. It's kind of like a full circle moment for me. Um, but the 440 Guitar Podcast, it's excited to have Marco Smith uh, on the show here. How you doing, man? I'm doing awesome. I'm super, super pumped about, about you asking me to do this. So I'm, I'm pumped, man. Dude, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's funny, man. I feel like it, there's been a lot of times where I've... I've had to kind of had to like hunt down some of my favorite players. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm just like, man, I wonder what they're doing now. You know, uh, Carson McWhorter, he, he was kind of the last one that I was like, wow, this is like, this is definitely a bucket list thing. Cause I was, oh. I was trying to find him for the longest time. And I think my episode is one of the first, I think it's one of the only like recent interviews from him, like in like, nice. like on the internet, which is kind of crazy. So again, man, I'm really happy to, to speak with you on this first and foremost, before we get started, you know, uh, how, how have you been? And, and I know, um, you know, as far as just like when it comes to, obviously like COVID stuff or whatever, but just how is, how's creating been, you know, whether, whether it, regardless if it's been like, you know, anything you've released public or just playing guitar, like how's that been through for you, you know, during these couple of years? It, it's been, um, interesting. Um, not, a, not a whole lot happened, um, after Zex until like five years ago. Um, I've actually recently re reconnected with, uh, with Marfred, uh, who played bass in Zex Marquis. Oh, cool. Uh, we, yeah, yeah. We, we've been uh, getting together as often as we can, given the circumstances, you know. But um, So I've been creating with him. We're, we're just trying to produce whatever comes out. Really, you know, uh, we listen to a lot of jazz and soul and hip-hop and and that sort of thing. So it it's kind of has that to it, but but we're rock musicians, you know. But nice. um, And then uh, before that, I've, I had my own band um, called The Deep Shadows. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I've actually been able to do a little bit. Um, I do nice. have, 
a, a family. I do work full time. I'm actually a, um, an assistant principal of all things. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So with with kids, with uh, you know the family, with with working full time, it, it's a little bit difficult to find the time. But but I I, I definitely try to do it. And and like I said, lately, uh, me and Marfred reconnected. So so I'm I'm getting in there whenever I can for sure. That's great, man. I'm really happy to hear that too, especially because having such a uh, huge responsibility, something as a principal and having to deal with, you know, the, the political nature on that. And then just time and then being a father and a, you know, and a, and a, and a husband or just any, all of those like adult things and trying to fit in this, this, this creative, you know, nature of, of you playing music. You know, I, I definitely sure. can understand that. Uh, so kudos to you on that, man. Um, so uh, here on the 440 Guitar Podcast, we're really big on origin stories, how people got to where they are today. Um, so to kick this off, to kind of just go back in time, uh, tell me about your first memory of music. Yeah, um, my dad and mom um, used to have records in the house. They weren't like big music listeners or like huge music fans, but but they had records in the house. Um, I mean from when they were young, you know, so there were, there were always records in the house. My dad used to have a guitar in the house. He never really played. Um, but I always kind of just took an interest to it. Um, and then what really kind of got me into music was, was my brother. So my brother, um, he, he's five years older than me and, you know, you're always gonna, you always look up to your brother and, and that kind of thing. He, he got into to punk rock and, um, so when I was in middle school, actually like, uh, even, you know, fourth, fifth grade, um, and then, you know, in middle school, that, that's what I was listening to because that, that's what my brother listened to. And, um, he used to go to shows and, um, which was kind of a foreign concept when you're, you know, an elementary and, and that kind of thing, but he, he used yeah. to go to shows. And, um, I remember him showing me at the drive-in, he took me to some at the drive-in shows. Oh, Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I was real young, like like early, early at the driving days, and um, he he was acquainted with with that the driving, not like super good friends, but but like you know they 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 would hang out a little bit and, and that sort of thing. Um, so that was kind of my introduction into music. Yeah, but my first memory, like going way way back, yeah, oh, just having records in the house, and then my dad had a guitar in there as well. Wow. That's really yeah. awesome. Do you recall uh, the the specific like punk bands that you were listening to that your you know your brother's music that you had was it like Bad Brains or do you remember any kind of those those bands? I do. So um, I could even take a, a step further, right? So one of the records that that my dad had in the house was just like it was like a like an early seventies like radio um, like top forty, and for whatever reason. Um, I really liked uh, um, that uh, it, that song by the Turtles. I think it's called like Together or something like that. Mm. Uh, ha- Happy Together. I just remember playing that and playing that and playing that and playing that. And um, I don't know why it stuck with me. And mm. all these years later, I collect records now. Um, I have oh, wow. tons of, and that that's like a like that's like my thing lately is I, I collect records. But um, I I eventually like ended up getting really into the Turtles later, you know. But uh. In terms of that uh, that stuff that my brother used to listen to, he he started out with like the pop punk, so it was like um, Screeching Weasel and the Queers and those sorts of things, right? And then he got into like hardcore punk, so like Filth and like Grimple and those sorts of things. Um, 
but nice. yeah. And, and as, as much as, uh, like I loved all that punk stuff, um, it was really, um, once I got into high school, um, all my friends who were skateboarders, they were all listening to hip hop. Um, and obviously I was going to get into hip hop if I was listening, if I was hanging out with all my buddies and that sort of thing. So I got into hip hop. Mm. Um, and then hip hop is what got me into collecting records. Like really, really, really got me into collecting records because oh, I remember, <laughs> totally, totally, cause I remember, I remember thinking like, Hey, that song sounds like this other song. And I remember like digging up the records and be like, my dad's got that in his collection, you know, or my mom had that in her, in, in her, in her collection. And, um, that, that's kind of what, what got me started. But yeah. Um, wow. so yeah, the punk rock was there, but it was really, it, it, what really, really got me into music was, um, was probably at the drive-in, um, that kind of stuff. And, and then, you know, a little bit later, all the, all the hip hop and, and soul and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, wow. Do you remember, uh, the moment of like your experience with like first getting acquainted with guitar, like learning it? Like, was it something where you were just like, Oh, like I want to learn guitar. And like, you, you know, your, your father, like was like, you know, gave you that instrument that was in the house or how did that go about? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my brother who, again, he'd go to shows and listen to punk rock. He, uh, he got himself a guitar and, mm -hmm. uh, a little amp and that sort of thing. And then he would play some of those punk rock songs that, that he showed me. And that was, that was for me in my mind. I was like, man, I want to learn to play that. Mm. And, um, that guitar that my dad had laying around the house, my brother used to play like Nirvana riffs on it. And, mm. you know, like, like some of the, the, the other early nineties, like mainstream rock bands. And in my mind, I'm like, man, wait, that's what we're listening to. And there he is playing it. And for me, that that's kind of what did it. I still would have been in, uh, probably, fifth and sixth grade and then um eventually um i got my own guitar probably about about sixth or seventh grade and uh i told my mom i was like i i want to take guitar lessons mm. and um my mom who has admittedly she she'll 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 tell you this story she has zero music musical talent and she figured she was like you know what i'm not gonna tell him I don't think he's going to get it. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to, you know, do well in music. She's like, but if that's what, she's like, if that's what he wants to do, I'll, I'll go ahead and send them to, to guitar lessons. So I, I took guitar lessons for, for a couple of years. Mm. Um, but again, um, and my brother probably doesn't know this, but he was like, like a big part of the reason why I wanted to play guitar and why I got into music. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. It's funny you say that. Cause I remember when, um, my mother put me in piano lessons and then i was just like man i don't want to mess with this man i'm looking at like i don't see all these notes and i don't understand them and then like 10 years later i'm like god i wish i stuck right. with it <laughs> i know absolutely man absolutely <laughs> oh man uh what was your experience as far as like your uh your first band you know playing together do you, you recall that 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 I moment do. so um i'm from the west side of el paso mm. um which is where I met Marfred and Marcel. We went to middle school together. Oh, wow. but then it, yeah, yeah. But then in high school, I moved to the east side of El Paso. And uh, when I was in a 10th grade, um, we started my first band. So um, there's this dude uh, that I went to high school with named David Smith. And he, he played in a band called Part Time. And uh, they, uh, so he and I, we, we met 
we were unfortunately we were both in the in the retake algebra class oh um, <laughs> so you know um and he sat next to me and we were like hey what's up and we for the weirdest reason we had like we found out we had the same last name we both lived with only our moms our phone numbers had the same numbers in them we both listened to like Jimi hendrix and we we're just like this is weird dude so wow yeah so we started playing um and in those days um, the big thing to do on the east side of, of El Paso, this is like late 90s, was uh, backyard punk rock shows. Mm. So we'd go to the back backyard punk rock shows. And then uh, and then we met up uh, with some other dudes that we went to high school with. This, this dude, Andy on drums and, and a friend of mine, Robert, who, um, who played bass. We started a band and that's when like emo first hit El Paso. Mm. And we were and and but in those days, emo was different than than what it is today, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started this band and we wanted to call it emo and like, we were listening to, to, um, 15 and jawbreaker and, um, you know, some of that, like sort of bluesy punk rock and that, that kind of thing. And, um, so that, that, that's how that happened. I I was about ninth or 10th grade, 10th grade. And, uh, me and my friend David, we started playing some stuff. So that's, yeah, I mean, that, that's my first group. We were called, um, we, we called ourselves Sally ride because, the uh the street that we practiced on that was set like it was named all after female astronauts all the streets in, in his oh, neighborhood cool. were all female astronauts and so we call ourselves sally ray that's a pretty solid band name for a first yeah. band <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's very solid yeah because i remember one of my first bands was west park lane and i was like that is not ring <laughs> <laughs> that is not catchy at all um, yeah, yeah. uh as far as like playing um you know it's funny i always think about I was thinking about, you know, being like when you're when you're starting off figuring out this musician thing and then, you know, a core component as far as like playing live. Were, do, you, do you recall how you responded to like playing live like in that band, Sally Ride? Was it pretty natural to you or is it just some just over time? And then it was just like I was in, in the zone oh. at that point. So um, that band actually only played one live show. Hmm. And then I'm and then I moved back to the West Side. But that's when at the drive-in was getting really, really big. Well, not, not, they still hadn't like blown up super big, but that's when they were like getting big, um, you know, touring and all that sort of thing. And so in El Paso, they were the standard for live shows, which is like a really, really tough act to, right. to, to look at because those dudes are jumping all over the stage, dancing. <laughs> and then um, all the, like a lot of the bands from El Paso at that time who, who were hanging out with at the drive-in, same thing. Like they mm. were jumping around and crazy and, um, so I, I can remember that, that, that very first show that I ever played with that band, Sally Ride, uh, it was at a church and, uh, I remember just going nuts on stage and, um, <laughs> but, uh, it, and it felt natural at the time, but I, I, I remember a couple of people being all, damn, that, that dude's going nuts over there. And I think a few people thought it was kind of weird to be honest, <laughs> but, you know, and, and they, they had an all scene at the drive-in and, and, you know, um, bunch of other uh shows that were coming through and but yeah um so then it was it really would have been with zex Mm. years and years later so um you know after high school that uh that the live thing started happening and i don't think for me that 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 it came that natural um Mm. at first um it was super nerve-wracking for all of us um the two of the dudes so matt who played the other guitar in zex marquis and and then our first drummer they had been in bands before Mm. um so they were used to playing live 
Um, but for me, it, it was, it was pretty uncomfortable, but at the same time, like, like even a little bit, like, even if there's, you know, 15 people watching the show and three of them are like checking you out, playing guitar, that's still like a confidence builder, you know, like that dude's checking me out, you know? And, yeah. um, and then that over time becomes like confidence on stage. And once you get that confidence and you want to be up there, like showing them what you got, man, that's, that's where it's at for sure. Nice. Nice. I wanted to ask you as far as like your, uh, your guitar playing style, like especially your solo playing style, a very, there's very, uh, there's a really interesting melodic nature to it that kind of like caught my, my ears, you know, when you, when you would play and whatnot. Um, can you kind of tell me a little bit as far as just kind of how that, like how, how your soloing kind of like influenced, like how, how were those yeah. influences were? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and I think this probably happens with all guitarists, right? Like you, you have your bands that you listen to and you know, they're cool, but then there's those guitarists that you get into. And yeah. um, so Jimi Hendrix, for sure. I mean, just like anybody who's like first getting into guitar, especially at that time, like that he, he was like a big thing for me at first. Mm. Um, but his style is like, I mean, you can't, you hear that and you're just like, man, why am I even playing? Like dudes can play like that. What, I, what am I even doing over here? You know? <laughs> Um, so that, that was kind of that. And then, so I always kind of tried to play this sort of punk rock rock thing, but then once I started learning like scales and getting into jazz and, um, listening to those types of dudes, um, even though I knew and, and, um, and I'm not even like being hard on myself, like listening to dudes like Pat Martino and Wes Montgomery and those types of dudes, like my goal was never to play like them because those dudes obviously spent hours and hours upon hours practicing but like that sound was addicting to me mm. um just that uh their the harmonic structure and the amount of notes they're playing and the way that it sounds against chords and that that really really hit me and then when we were in zex um we were just listening to like the hardest to play music that anybody could listen to you know because <laughs> we just a trip because we're always just trying to push the bar so um we were listening to tons of miles davis ton, tons of like parliament funkadelic um tons of uh tons of jazz tons of hip-hop and then believe it or not we probably listened to less rock than anything um oh, wow. we you know we did listen to you know a lot of the prog rock um um yes and king crimson and you know th those towards and those the you know the dudes that play band and, and or guitar in those bands are obviously like like insane so listening to all that stuff and um, I, I just, I, I pushed myself in that direction to, 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 to try to, um, play as different and as interesting as I can. And, um, and then you, you know, you mentioned Frank Zappa and, um, yeah, I mean, just the amount of guitarists that I was listening to and, and all their different sounds, it, it kind of pushed me into that direction, you know? Wow. Um, and when you listen to all this stuff on Zex, um, the other guitar player, Matt Wilson, um, his style was a little bit more um, heavy, a little bit more uh, like he liked to play like sort of dissonant and, you know, um, that sort of thing. And I was a little bit more bluesy, jazzy when, when I would play. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, but that's where that comes from. Nice, nice. It's interesting as far as you saying how you guys listen to almost anything but like rock music um, and how that affects like, you playing because i i remember watching a video uh where jibu smith was talking about the some of his influences and he was like 
I kind of listened to, uh, he's, he's like, guitar pros are really the last thing I really listened to. He's like, I kind of listened to everything else. I listened to saxophone players and all that stuff. And I was like, wow, I like, never would, really would have known, you know? For sure. Um, I was I was curious to ask, as far as, like, a little bit when it comes to Zex Marquise, when you guys when you guys created songs, was it something that was, like, really structured or something where it was more of maybe, like, a Terra Mellos thing or it's, like, there's these sections of, like, jamming out different sections and really just being able to lock in at different parts um how was your guys' song structures like how you guys create songs like was yeah it, yeah yeah so um someone would come in with a riff um and when i joined the band um marfred matt and uh another drummer at the time had already been playing together for a little bit and marcel i believe was also playing uh in those in the, in the super super early days before i started playing with them um so by the time i came in they already had a lot of riffs kind of down um and then me just being the guitarist that i am um i just started throwing solos like, <laughs> and some of the parts and it was instrumental music so mm. um that kind of happened that way but then there were for sure these parts where we'd say this is the intro this is the chorus and in this section we're just going to let loose mm. and it was never like it was never like we're gonna do this for ten bars or we're gonna do this for twelve bars. It was like when I start coming up, you guys start coming up, or when the drums start getting loud, everybody starts getting loud. And then when I've had enough, I'm gonna I'll start looking at you guys, and we give each other just the kind of like the nod to be like, okay, here it comes, here it comes, come come back to the course, and mm. just we just hit it like that, you know. Nice. Um, so we for sure had those sections where there were just like jams and um it yeah you know, i it, it's just amazing to be a guitarist who likes to solo in that kind of a band because essentially like in every song there's gonna be a section for you to let loose and yeah man that 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 experience especially doing it live that's that that's what's up man that that's where that's where we're at for sure yeah i think uh i think i think i think one of the songs you guys did was a uh, car chasing scene i want to say it was like one of my chasing. favorite songs yeah chasing is one of my yeah. favorite songs so so awesome i was like wow i can really i can really picture a chase scene <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 you know so very very cool was it always intended for you guys to not have a singer was it were you guys going in like this is going to be an instrumental band no um we for sure I, at, at points considered you know trying to ask various people to sing um and i don't think we ever like when, when we first started playing i don't think we were trying to be like let's let's strictly make this instrumental i think it just kind of happened naturally mm. and then before we knew it like the music had melodies and harmonies and solos and it was just kind of like these songs aren't written for for singers yeah um but as funny as that is um later as our musical taste started to mature and um, every single one of us like wishes that we can sing and every single one of us will like would uh, you know wish that we could compose and arrange and sing and i've said it before like um and marcel has said this too like to be able to sing amazing i would give all my production knowledge all my studio knowledge all my guitar like if i can sing man i i would give it all up because um so that i could sing because when i listen to a song as as much as i've I've geeked out to guitar and guitar solos and you know i have a huge section of just jazz records where where the guitar like i still i still like i hear i hear vocals and i it hits me harder than anything you know yeah um but but um but yeah so it it wasn't necessarily intended to be instrumental but it it kind of happened that way and we just kind of went with it 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, given, you know, no, uh, singer, no singer, definitely there's, there's a, there's a real signature sound to it. You know, it's really connected, yeah. you know, connected with me. So, uh, definitely a really cool point in time. Um, so tell me about as far as, you know, after Zex Marquise, you know, what, as far as when it comes to music, like what were some of the things that you were, uh, you know, cooking up or working on? Cause yeah. like I said, you had another, you had another band as yeah. well, right? Yeah. So we did, we did Zex, um, and because of, of various circumstances, we had to stop playing, mm-hmm. which, which was a major, um, bummer for every single one of us. Like, um, I, I knew I still wanted to play music, but I had started teaching, got married. Um, and I, I kind of didn't play all that much, mm-hmm. but, um, I had always been into, uh, Ableton. So, you know, Marcel, he's an insane producer, um, an insane synth player, um, an insane recording engineer. Like he's got all that kind of stuff. So we all kind of watched him and and he had the resources and the time and the means to like really dig into all that. So, um, and you know, so I, I'd say me, I, I really, I really, really, really was influenced by seeing all that. I got, a, I got Ableton. I started producing like electronic stuff and recording guitar and, and that kind of thing. And I started writing songs and, um, I, I, I knew I wanted to, to play with a singer. I knew I wanted to, to play something not, not as heavy as X. So I started writing songs and, um, I was working, uh, at the mall. Um, and another guy that used to work in the mall, um, who was also from El Paso, who used to play in local bands and he had seen Zex and that sort of, he came in one day he's like, Hey man, um, I used to see Zex play our bands played. And he's like, I just want to let you know that I sing. And I was like, Oh dang. I was like, all right. So, um, I, I had already been writing. I was eager, eager to get something going. So he and I started uh, linking up and, um, I already had a bunch of stuff and I didn't know how it was going to work. Cause I'd never played with a singer. I never, you know, I had never experienced that. Um, yeah. so I said, Hey, here's some stuff. I went over to his house, uh, and right in his living room. Um, he just, and the guy's not shy. Um, he just picked up the mic, started singing nonsense and improvising and jibber jabber. And, um, I went home, cherry picked all the good parts and I said, put lyrics to this. And luckily he could write really good lyrics. Oh, nice. Um, and it came together and we, re- we ended up recording, uh, uh two eps and and a couple singles for a group we had called the deep shadows Hmm. um i had a um there was another guy who used to come out to zex shows named joaquin who played the drums and he's like a jazz dude and i was like Hmm. hmm i like jazz i don't wanna i don't wanna play heavy rock so brought him over he had a friend who played bass and we recorded some stuff uh with uh with our buddy chris common Hmm. from these arms are snakes and um, he, he, he engineered uh, a, a couple EPs for us. And wow. we did that. We did that for about five years. Um, we just recently stopped playing it. it, it it's almost like uh, COVID kind of put um, a big obstacle in it. We, we couldn't play shows. We couldn't get together. Um, so it had been it had been two years. And uh, um, we unfortunately, um, we haven't been able to get together. Um, mm. But and I want to say this. The last thing that we that he and I recorded, me and the singer, we did a, a genuine cover of all people, right? Oh, wow. genuine. Um, I want to say it was one of the uh, the tracks that Timbaland produced. Um, the name of the track is uh, "None of Your Friends' Business," 
And uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great album too. So I know, I know, I know that I song. Love, <laughs> I love that track. Um, so I, I, I produced this like electronic beat to it. He he sings over it, um, and that was the last thing that he and I did. Mm. And then um, I was I had, I had you know you you go through these moments where you're kind of just like, man, I don't get to play anymore. I don't get to, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little bit older. And and then Marfred comes into town. Mm. um and i'm and he hits me up out of nowhere i'm like dude we get together we're like let's write some stuff and we've we've been we've been hitting it pretty hard marfred and i so nice. we're, we're writing like together but yeah but in, in terms of your question yeah the deep shadows is is, is what i did we've actually have an instagram still and oh, phenomenal. You can, yeah you can find that stuff on um apple music or or wherever it's at but it's a little oh. bit more um it's still rock but I'd say it's a little bit more, um, little bit more, um, le- less heavy, a little bit more R and B influenced, cool. that kind of thing. Yeah, nice. That's really cool. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question as far as like how how um, how to get a hold of it, you know. But that's cool. So yeah. it's on Spotify and Apple Music and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out when you get a chance. The Deep Shadows. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. And then the stuff you're working on right now, you know, with the ba- the bass player from Zex, uh, yeah. when do you expect uh, some of that stuff to be available? You think? So, um, it's, it's been a fairly slow process just because I work full time. Um, and then, you know, Marfred at some point, I'm sure he's going to get back out on the road with, with the butcherettes or, or whatever it is that, that, that they're doing. Um, we're playing like, same it's uh, like like we have this track that we're recording with uh, a local artist uh, who goes by the, by a billy free she's this super soulful singer um that track is almost done mm. um we've got about we got one more finished track um there's a girl named uh sunny baker who who sang on some of the zex stuff mm. um like uh on, on one of the tracks um she, we, we we threw her a couple songs we're trying to make it, um, you know, we're trying to get a bunch of different singers together. Uh, we, we wanted to ask, uh, you know, Matt Embry from uh, Our Expandits. We wanted to ask uh, oh. um, even Terry from, um, they don't even know this yet, but we wanted to ask Terry from from the Butcherettes and, and that kind of thing. Um, wow. Few people, but I'll, I'll keep some of that a, a surprise. Okay. In terms of when it's going to come out, um, man, um, it's, I would love to get something out this year. Um, I have a feeling Marfid's probably going to start touring again after the summer, mm. uh, you know, once things settle down. Um, so I'm giving myself that time frame that I'm giving myself to the summer to have a, a, a bunch of it done. And uh, we want to send it out to, to get mixed and then mastered. And, and we're recording it all ourselves. It's all like super DIY and cool. um, at, at his place and, and my place and that kind of thing. That's great, man. Yeah, there's there's so there's so many resources available to just the general public now. It's almost like it's it, to me. It should just inspire every artist to try to do some of these projects themselves. You know, yeah. just like especially with I feel like that happened a lot too with you know especially when the lockdown when the lockdown stuff was really heavy. You know, I remember hearing like uh, Kiana Lede and, and um, just like locking into like mixing her own album at the house and like audio interface and figuring that out and being a producer, you know, it's just kind of like, you're, you're almost like kicking yourself if you're not doing that. So that's really cool. That yeah. You guys got acquainted with it. Absolutely. Um, so I had, you know, a little bit of experience with, uh, 
recording from my home. Um, but Marfred, within the last couple of years, he, he's also picked it up. So um, it's almost like the pandemic, like, pushed us to be like, hey, just start sending me stuff and you, you send me stuff and we can do it remotely. And even if I'm out of town and um, that, that's, it's a beautiful thing, man. It's, it's a beautiful thing to, to be able to do music that way. And um, there's so, like you said, there's so many tools and um, it, like it, 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 there's like no excuse anymore. Like, I don't care if you're an assistant principal and you have kids and you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, like there, there's like no excuse anymore, man. Like yeah. if, you, if you're going to play music, play some play some damn music man yeah you know? seriously seriously it's funny i was thinking do you ever have like some some of your students that are just like i know you <laughs> like i'm a fan of that band or fan of zex or fan of deep shadows <laughs> you know um it kind of, something along those lines so there's obviously just a bunch of random videos of zex and then there's yeah. stuff that we put up or stuff that you know the label put up and if you look at some of the comments and some of the videos, some of them will say, that's my teacher or, or some of them, <laughs> some of them will say, yeah, I remember once that that's my social studies teacher. Um, so there, there's that aspect of it. Nice. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of funny, but, but uh, it's also kind of like, I got to be careful too, because right. uh, we played a, we played a, a show at a bikini bar which is essentially like a strip club they just don't take their clothes off right hmm. and uh i had no idea that there was footage of that oh wow! and uh <laughs> one of my <laughs> students uh found that footage and um <laughs> he was like hey where like hey isn't this you i was like oh yeah. <laughs> I, like, I don't know there's a lot of marco smiths around <laughs> yeah. like it's a common name and, and, and that kid he liked to push buttons and and he's, he's, he's like graduated from high school now. And, and he and I um, went through some times in, in school because he, you know, he had kind of a tough situation and, mm. you know, we would get on each other's uh, cases, but um, he, so he was kind of in a joking, that joking way. He'd be like, and what's that in the background? I'd be like, Oh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 That's the cool funny. thing though. Um, and maybe this is just me showing off a little bit, but uh, you know, at, when you work at a high school, um, you hear about all sorts of new, new groups and, mm. and that sort of thing. And, and, uh, I remember a, a friend of mine, I say that because he's, he's like 23 now, but he was a student. Mm. Um, he, and he's a local rapper now. Um, he used to listen to like a bunch of good, you know, hip hop rap and, and, you know, 2013, 14. And I remember him talking about flying Lotus and Badu and, oh, wow. and, and I, I just remember being like, damn, I met those, I met both of them, you know? And, <laughs> and it was just cool to be like, listen, Hey, his name's Ken. Um, I was like, I'm going to tell you a story. And, and I even showed him pictures of like, Hey, that's me. That's Zex. That's Flylo, you know? And, um, I, 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 unfortunately I don't have any pictures of myself with Erica Badu, but still being able to be like, Hey, dude, I did meet Badu. And, mm -hmm. and she introduced us to Dave Chappelle and, wow. and that sort of thing. Um, and, I think about that stuff now. I mean, that's just like, that's like in a dream. And did that even really happen? But um, <laughs> that th those were some of my, 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 my favorite memories, you know, but, wow. but yeah, that's crazy. Wow. I was going to ask you as far as like uh, the type of gear, guitar gear that you're, you know, you're doing now. Uh, what's, what's, what's your main axe? Is it, it's that same strap from Zex or did you kind of try I'm some so different instruments? <laughs> so glad you asked. <laughs> um so um i started out um 
my very first guitar, I don't even remember what it was. It was like a hundred dollar guitar. I don't even have it no more. Then I got that, that strap, which was, uh, I bought off of a friend of mine, um, who was really influenced by Prince. And of course we all know Prince can shred on guitar. Oh, yeah. and, um, and that dude can play that the dude that I bought the guitar from, he could play really well. And mm. so to have that guitar, I, I was just, I, I was, I couldn't believe I had that guitar mm. and that guitar, um, that the year that it's like an early nineties model and it came with uh, tuning locks and it came with this weird nut bridge and it's all like modded out. And that's wow. just the way that model came. So to, to be like an 10th grade and have that guitar to me was just like, man, I, I need to forever thank my mom. And I'm bringing up that guitar because that guitar is my baby. I toured with it. It's got my soul all over it. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that I mention it before I talk about my other two guitars. Right? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, so then, uh, I had ended up also getting a, an SG, um, probably it was probably like a, a late '90s, early 2000s model. Mm. Um, terrible story. I opened it up out of the box because I had ordered it, and it was sitting on my it was sitting on my uh, my front porch. Bring it inside, lay it on top of the couch. I open it, and the guitar just falls straight out of the box onto the floor and lands on the headstock. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and it was like. And it was oh. like, and it was like the twenty one hundred dollar model. It wasn't like, oh jeez. You, know. <laughs> so, you know, luckily it didn't affect it that bad. Yeah. Um, and then Matt, uh, Matt Wilkson from Zex, he ended up needing it. Um, I ended up throwing that the SG his way. Hmm. We worked out a deal. And then, and then, um, and I'll mention this. I don't. I, um, I'll, I'll honor him. So my uh, my my wife's father, he he, he passed away a few years back. Um, and we, we all knew it was coming and, um, he's sitting down on the couch and he sits down with me. He's like, say, Hey, her father says, what, like, what's your dream guitar? I was like, I don't know, like a 1970s Les Paul. He goes, show me one. And then I showed it to him on, um, on eBay mm. and he puts buy it now. And oh, I was wow. like, it's like a 1970 Les Paul. I was like, what are you, what's going on? He's like, Essentially, that, that was his parting gift. His parting oh, gift to me, man. Wow. Um, a nineteen seventy Les Paul, right? Wow. So, um, you know, I I have that guitar. I'm going to tell you a horror story about the guitar. Um, I come home one day and it's standing on the guitar stand in the living room, and the headstock is completely cracked. And oh I'm like, God. I'm like, one, that's a nineteen seventy Les Paul. I'm like two, my wife's father gave that to me. You know? Yeah. Um, we don't know how it happened. A, a couple people said some things. Um, luckily, um, a dude, uh, a local guy in El Paso, um, he, he lived out of town forever. He moved back to El Paso. He like builds his own guitars. Like he, like he's got a showcase at NAM and everything. So, um, I hit him up. I was like, Hey, don't you fix the guitar? He put it back in pristine shape. You oh, can't wow. even tell that it was ever cracked. Wow. Okay. Thank God. But, yeah. 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 Now, by the time uh, I, I got that Les Paul, um, it was broken most of the time. So I didn't get to use it. I didn't really get to play it live. I played, I played live with it once with the, with the deep shadows. Hmm. Okay. But the guitar that I've used the last couple of years, or at least, uh, when did I get that thing? At least the last year and a half. Um, so, I've always wanted, you know, uh, I, I'm, I would say I'm most influenced by jazz guitarists. Mm. So I wanted, I wanted a hollow body, uh. but, uh, 
you see those things and, and you know, I, if I'm going to get a hollow body, I'm not going to get a nineties or, you know, a new hollow body. I wanted one of those jazz ones. Right. But the thing about that is if you find a 1970s hollow body, you're, you're looking at eight to $15,000, yeah. you know, but I found a 1983, which happens to be the year that I'm born. Um, and I, so I, not that long ago, I graduated my master's degree and it was my birthday and I, my wife, um, we, we got together and we got me a 1983 Gibson ES-175. Ooh, um, ooh. that's so, a nice, that's a nice model. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's got the sharp cutaway on the one end, super thick hollow body. Mm. Um, that's what I've been using. That I, I use it almost exclusively now um, wow. just because it, it's got that jazz sound and um, I, 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 it looks... I, just complete like it, it looks so beautiful that i i, I that's that's the only one that i play now wow and that's yeah. a that's a relative is that a relatively light guitar too it's it's comparatively uh, so my 1970 les paul is weighs a ton a tank right <laughs> the tank, man. my uh my my uh my strat weighs like just as much as uh my my les paul they're both really heavy guitars wow man. um and I, you know, that like in the guitar world, um, even though it's not, even though there's not really any truth to it, like a heavy guitar is a badass guitar and it must mean that it's high quality. So like, like, <laughs> you know, um, I, always, I just remember always showing off how heavy it was and you, you know, because you, you pick up other dudes strats and they don't weigh a thing. Seven you know? pounds. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, like, I never oh. understood. I'm like, why is mine so damn heavy? But that must mean I'm the man, you know, because I've got that guitar, right? But uh, so comparing uh, the ES-175 uh, to those, I, it, it doesn't seem that heavy. It's, it is fairly light, especially for how big it is. Yeah, 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 because, yeah, th that's that's kind of the reason why I had to stray away from, from Les Paul, because I'm like, my back is, like, cussing me out right now. <laughs> I, I feel you, man. I totally feel you. And I'm only, I'm 5'7". Um, man, I, I wouldn't, I, I honestly feel like I have, like I have like shoulder damage or something. Oh, and, man. <laughs> you know, um, Cause you know, you, when we would tour, sometimes we would be out on the road seven weeks and, uh, we'd only have three, four days off and, you know, uh, being a little dude and lugging that thing around. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, I had them, them heavy ones. <laughs> um, and then just kind of going into like pedals, like I, I feel like, I think a lot of, at least from like uh, even just like talking about Zex um, a little bit, I feel like a lot of your it seemed like a lot of your sound was just kind of like coming into the amp, and you had your wah pedal, a couple of things, but you know it seemed like you kind of let the amp do a lot of the work as far as your tone. Is that still kind of the same thing now, or have you kind of like switched a few things up as far as pedals? That's like you're exactly right about that. So um, I do have pedals, um, but Matt was always the pedal guy. Like he was just, he's just better with it. Like mm. he can get better tones. He knows how to do it better. And of course, Marcel once, uh, there was a time when he was playing keys. Um, and he's just like, uh, a gear junkie, mm. like, and he knows how to fix all that stuff. And so he had just the insane amounts of synths. And so those dudes were, were doing all the effects. And mm. as much as I wanted to be able to do it, I just couldn't ever figure out how to, how to do it right. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, but the thing that I loved, was the wah i was yeah. all over the wah constantly man yeah. um so i i would essentially just do a little bit of reverb a little bit of delay um ha have a distortion for solos and then but the wah was like the wah was my favorite thing nice. now um i'm just like 
straight into the uh, the interface, mm-hmm. and I'll just put a little bit of uh, reverb and delay. And but uh, you know, Marfit has also recorded some other stuff with Matt recently, and Matt again, he's just killing it with these tones. I'm like, damn, how's that guy do that? And so I'm like, maybe I need to look into it. But nice. but you know, I and then I and then I go home and I listen to a jazz guitar record, and it's just straight in and beautiful. I'm just like, that's what that's how I want to sound. Right. You know? and, right. So I, I tend to shy away from it a little bit, um, but um, lately it's just been straight in. But I'm gonna I'm gonna start messing around with it a little bit more. <laughs> nice. Your your Wapel, were you using the Crybaby or Vox or what reason? I used a, a Crybaby for a long time, but those they're just not good on the road, you know. Um, yeah, they break a wear lot, and right? tear. Um, so I used a, a Crybaby. Um, there's a, there's the one that has a, the red button for like the boost or whatever that one. And then for a while, um, because I had already gone through three of three crybabies, Marcel had an Ernie ball. Mm. Um, so I used the Ernie ball and it was amazing because on the crybabies, there's no indicator light. You don't know if it's on or off. Oh uh, yeah. And on the Ernie <laughs> ball, there was an indicator light. And I was like, man, the indicator light's the way to go. Like, yeah. because you, you turn on your amp and your guitar and you, you didn't realize that your wall was on and you're trying to adjust your amp and you're exactly. just like, you know? <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. <laughs> Very cool, man. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, any, any lasting uh, thoughts or anything else that you might want to plug for some of you know, your fans and listeners to, to keep in tune before we close out? Yeah, man. Um, I, I would just, you know, just one more time want to mention my group, the deep shadows, you know, even though we're not active anymore, um, I would love for people to check out the deep shadows. I would love for people to be, to be on the lookout for, for some stuff that Marfred and I are doing. Mm. Uh, we, we don't have a name yet where we're like, it, the project's in it is in its infancy, you know? Um, also, um, uh, we didn't, you know, um, I just kind of just wanted to throw out there that, uh, I collect records and if anybody is, is ever looking to get rid of any hit me up, I'm, I'm always looking for records, man. Nice. But yeah. Other than that, man, um, I, it was amazing talking to you. I, I, this was super fun for me. Oh, awesome, man! Awesome, of course. Likewise. Um, any is there is there a particular record you're trying to hunt down right now? Um, I'm always looking for a uh, um, guitar jazz. Any mm. in any, especially like uh, George Benson before he got big solo because he used to play with a lot of organ players and some mm. of that stuff's kind of hard to find, but. Any, anything with uh anything with 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 jazz guitar in it man nice. um but is, yeah, he your, is he your favorite uh guitar a uh, jazz guitar player or who's your fave man if you um <laughs> so here's the thing about george benton and, and i recently saw an interview with, with pat martino about this so mm. once he once he got big he was pushed in that sort of mainstream um um sort of uh fusion smooth jazz way right yeah. but if, if you can find the records with that, with those one or two songs where where he's not playing that kind of stuff, man, like it's like the like it's Uptown with George Benson where he plays, uh, I think it's Willow Weep for Me, mm. shredding, right? So he has some of my favorite moments. I would say um, Pat Martino, nice because Pat Martino never went the the smooth jazz route, right? He kind of stayed true to true to his sound. Right. So Pat Martino, I'd say overall in the grand scheme, but I mean, how can you forget about Wes Montgomery or John yeah. McLaughlin or or all those other dudes, but, yeah. but yeah, man. 
Yeah. 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 I could, we, I could talk all day about jazz guitar. (laughs) (laughs) We might need another episode because, yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of jazz guitar too. So awesome. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. This is Jarrell Powell here from the 440 Guitar Podcast. Uh, we will jam again soon and have a great rest of your day. <laughs> <laughs>